You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome to Under the Shield presents Fight in Progress. Nice job, Tom. That was good. That wasn't was good. It? No yeah. hesitation. No, what am I supposed to say here? I know. Yeah. I didn't even crack up laughing mm. thinking about it. Mm-mm. No, but this is one of your hosts, Susan Simmons, and you are who this week? Uh, whoever you want me to be. I, you be whoever you want to be. You and those multiple personalities <laughs> in that head. I never know who I have in the podcast studio. <laughs> like to keep you guessing. <laughs> yeah. Well, with my chemo brain, See? I don't know who anybody is anyway. You're new every week. And just to update the audience, seven weeks from today will be the last of the worst chemos. Oh. Thank God. God, but it seems like it's been 100 years. I'm just ready to get this crap done. Then I get to do radiation and mm, more stuff, but it won't be as bad as these. These <laughs> I keep telling myself. That's right. It won't be as bad as the first six it's treatments. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just sick to death of doctors and all that crap. But I am doing something next week. Starting, I'm starting that Vitania program. We're going to have oh, them on you? here. Good deal. They're, they're going to help me with my dementia and my chemo brain fog, and we'll see. All that good stuff, huh? We'll see. Well, maybe they can help me with my mad cow. There you go. <laughs> so six months from now, this audience should be hearing a new Susan with a better brain, and I may remember all kind of things I forgot. All right. We'll see. We'll mark it on the calendar. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, actually, six months from next week, because I don't start till Wednesday. Right. But, but yeah, we're going to have them on the show talking about this new program that's pretty impressive, and... Some things that we hope to do between Under the Shield and Vitania, or I think I'm saying it almost right. I think that's right. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so good stuff going on. And, you know, we've had a little snow in Scottsdale this morning. I don't know if you saw that. (laughs) I did not see that. Snow flurries in Scottsdale. Wow. In Arizona. But it was Phoenix. I've forgotten how many years ago I saw the post this morning, too. That Scottsdale was covered in snow. Yeah, that's that's happened just a couple times. It's like eight years ago yeah. or something. It right. was while I lived in the West Valley, and I remember thinking it's sixty degrees over here in Avondale, and it's freaking snowing on the other <laughs> side of Phoenix. There's something wrong with this picture. That's for sure. That's, you know, that's Alabama kind of stuff, <laughs> not the desert. So. Anyway, tell us about our guest today. So our guest today, uh, he grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, oh, it, my part of the world, God's country, the <laughs> South, the he, South. He uh, actually grew up in an area that's kind of a poverty, poverty-stricken area, um, referred to as Portland. His parents are uh, very conservative Christians. Good. In fact, his father was a Baptist preacher for a church in the Portland area for 37 years. That explains a lot. Preacher's kids and cop's kids have a lot in common. Yeah, a lot of, there are a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get away with stuff. Uh-huh, we know how that works. Yeah. So you can, you know, in the, in the poverty-stricken uh, area, the Portland area, you know, it's going to be a very diverse congregation. Sure. Um, but he was taught at a young age to do good things for others because it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, um, and to treat, you know, when he got, when he became an officer, he had that same philosophy that I do is treat everybody like you expect your parents, sister, brother, whatever sure. to be treated. So they stop acting like Ex- your parents, exactly. sister or brother. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, so our guest today, uh, he got into a critical incident while serving a warrant with some friends and... Very public. Very public and just kind of got turned into a villain. Uh, And it's kind of crazy, all the lies that were out there that I'm sure we'll talk about. Sure. uh, The wonderful media disinformation. Mm -hmm. Um, But our, our guest is Sergeant John Mattingly. Welcome to the show, John. We're honored to have you on here. Tom, Susan, good to be here. <laughs> yeah, you know, because the, the thing about it is you're all villainized now. If you're in a oh, uniform, you're a bad person nowadays right. anyway. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. But it was a lot of the the public things that the media just took and blew so far out of proportion. And, and, and again, a lot of the stuff we have found when these things appear to be bad, whether they are or not, a lot of times it, it never gets clarified. Right. Or there's so much stuff behind the scenes that never gets brought out. Yep, absolutely. So, John, it's a uh, the thing is, you you know, as you say, it never gets clarified in our incident. And I've spoken with many officers since then around the country Mm -hmm. who are in similar situations where they just feel like, you know, their city or the department's just totally betrayed them and turned their back on them. Is the fact that these facts, they don't only not get corrected. They never even get put out. Right. By <laughs> right. And that's the tragedy in all this, because, you know, as police officers, we don't want special treatment. Can yep. care less about that. All you want is to be treated fairly like everybody else. Amen. Put the facts out. Yep. And let, let people decide for themselves sure. instead of, instead of this one-sided, uh, very politically charged um, narrative that gets placed out there that just totally paints you as a bad guy. And then you're not allowed to talk because you're in the middle of an investigation. Right. Your side <laughs> refuses to talk because they don't right. want to get slandered by the community. And so then it just, it the, the deck gets stacked against you pretty quick and it's hard right. to get out from under it once that false narrative gets spun up. Well, and then even when you go on and, and do a, a, a media interview, like the one that you did the interview for three hours and they play five minutes of it and, right. and make it all out of context. Right. and. You know, and I've said this to many chiefs and some sheriffs, too, in the past. Why the rush to get information out? Because if, if law enforcement wasn't involved, it's a, the standard line. It's under investigation. Right. But it's this rush to judgment and get information out because of transparency. Well, you know what? Transparency doesn't have to happen in the first 48 hours. That's true. But even if they're going to be transparent, yep. then be totally transparent and put all the truth 100%. out there. Yep. Yeah. Just just put it out. Because the big the big thing now is everybody wants to get those body cams out within 24, 48 hours. <laughs> push, right. them out, push them out, push them out. But if there's no body cam, then they refuse to tell you what happened. Right. And I, Because in our situation, we didn't have body cams. Right. And so my simple thing was go to them and said, release everything you would have released had there been body cams. Just do that. Sure. And they refused to do that. They said they didn't want to set precedent for future cases. Yeah, which I'm is like, a crime. You're going to let the city burn over setting, quote, precedent <laughs> that you change on a whim anyway. There's no real precedent. We know this. Sure. They do whatever benefits them. If you're going to release, release it all or don't release anything till you're ready to release it all. Right. That's just common sense. I know. Well, that's a problem right there. Well, again, These upper commands lack a little bit of that common sense stuff. It's it's what do the politicians want? Yeah. And that's we'll throw whoever under the bus. So tell us basically what your event was. All right. So in March of 2020, uh, I was involved in the Breonna Taylor raid. Um, we were our narcotics unit, a fairly large narcotics unit, about 60 people in it um, at the time. It's been totally 
gutted <laughs> since then. But um, about 60 people in it, but we had different divisions in it. Um, I had left our major case unit, which worked. I had DEA and FBI um, guys working for me. And I had left that recently to go to our parcel interdiction unit, which worked with UPS, FedEx, um, one of the, the over the road guys, you know, reported to me. Um, so I had done that because I knew I had like four or five years left in my career. And I thought, man, I had been knocking down doors for <laughs> 16 of my 20 years. It, it was time to start slowing down a little bit, getting some halfway normal hours so I could see my family. Sure. Um, plus I'm, I'd seen so many guys that were hard chargers because you got different guys on police departments. Mm-hmm. We know this. you got your hard chargers, you got your guys that answer calls, then you got your slugs that do nothing. Yes. And so uh, I always categorize myself in the hard charger category because I liked action. Sure. I wanted to be with the guys. I liked hands on. I just wanted to be in the field. And so I'd done that in all these specialized units from um, gang units and violent crime units to narcotics units. And I enjoyed it. So you're but telling me also, you love to sit in the rooms and listen to the wiretaps is what you're telling me. <laughs> well, I like to be in the field so the guys in the room can tell me where to go, which cars to follow. That's more enjoyable to me than the wiretap and trying to translate oh, come what on saying now. and rewinding. And, and that got old because um, I couldn't understand the verbiage most of the time. What would they say? You know, mumbling and, and all that. So, oh, yeah. um, but, but then I saw these guys that did this and retired. And they went from 100 miles an hour to zero. Mm-hmm. And then they're just, their lives were a mess. They started drinking too much. They were promiscuous. They're gambling. They're doing anything to try to get that little bit of a, mm-hmm. that high that Adrenaline we get rush. From right. busting down these doors and stuff because it does get addictive like everything else in life. Sure. And so I thought, well, I'm going to back off. I'll at least still get to go help out on warrants, but I won't be in charge of them. I won't have to do all the paperwork <laughs> and all the, you know, the debriefs and all that. Uh, what, so they had put out an email, this brand new unit. This was the first case they had run. It's oh, called geez. Place-Based Investigation. They got it out of Cincinnati, uh, the model up there. And our mayor's office had their hands all over this. And I remember sitting in our office <laughs> and once a week, the mayor's representative, one of his assistants would come in with all the heads of the department, except for the chief, all the assistant chiefs. And they would come in and they would go over this case, what this new unit was doing with these houses on Elliott Avenue. And I remember thinking, I have in, in 20 years on the police department and all these investigative units, I have never seen a representative from the mayor's office mm-hmm. every week check in to see how this case is going. Yep. So that was the number one red flag. Yeah. And for our assistant chiefs to come in and be involved and thinking they could care less Absolutely. what we do unless we screw up. Right. You know, if we, if we do good things, they put on their white shirts and get up in front of a podium and take credit for something they had nothing to do with. Sure. But then, you know, when you screw up, they're like, oh, don't know that guy. He's <laughs> um, so when they started coming in every week, I thought, this is weird, you know, but whatever. Maybe maybe they're trying something new outside of the box. Good for them. Well, come to find out there was this whole gentrification process mm-hmm. going on from the mayor's office. And there were two houses on this street that they've been trying to get for years that the owners just wouldn't sell. So what they did is they created this whole place-based unit to go after selective targets. Wait a minute. Now, this was never in the media. I don't don't ever remember hearing (laughs) this side of this story. Go figure. Well, you know, the mayor, when they called him out on this, two or three days later, (laughs) behind closed doors on a Sunday night is when they settled this lawsuit because they called him on this. And they said, we're going to ask you about this in, in the mediation. And he was like, oh, let's settle it. Here's your check. Go away. Uh-huh. And so he never had to go under oath to answer yeah. these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so this happened to be the very first case of this unit. Too many young detectives in this unit. Hard chargers wanted to do right, 
but sure. just didn't have the experience. And now you're dealing with five different locations that they had tied in to this drug dealer. Mm -hmm. And he had been locked up, I think, seven times in the in Jefferson County Jeez. because he came from Mississippi. He's not even a Louisville native. Came from Mississippi, been in all kinds of trouble down there. Came up to Louisville. Uh, same thing. Seven different charges for guns and drugs. His most recent arrest was in January of 2020. He had, I think, seven firearms, heroin, cocaine, marijuana. Uh, several of them were assault rifles, if we can use that term, assault rifles, but all guns assault. <laughs> right. um, but that's what they used. And they showed the pictures and they praised the arrest and all that. Well, then Brianna Taylor bailed him out of jail in January, he used her address as his address. His license came back to her address. His phone came back to her address. His bank account was her address. So his car registration was her address. So everything pointed to her. Mm -hmm. So when these guys were doing this investigation, they were doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you throw the umbrella out, you encompass every right. part of an investigation because Dope dealers use several women to hide their dope or hide their money or hide their guns, whatever it may be. Sure. And this was obviously part of that piece of the puzzle. Um, so we got an email. Well, first of all, in January of that year, the lead detective on that case stopped me in the hall and said, hey, can you see if there's any packages going to this address? And I was like, well, who's who's the packages through? He said, it's through Postal. And I said, Josh, we'd have... I have zero contact with Postal. Oh. LMPD and the Postal Service had gotten into a big pissing contest about two <laughs> years before I got there. They parted ways, took their ball, and went home, and we didn't work together. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got to this unit, there was zero contact with Postal. We only worked with UPS and FedEx. And I said, I have zero contact, don't know them, but I know who does. Here's a smaller department that's on the edge of our city that works with them, and, and I know these guys. And so I reached out to him on a text and said, hey, do you have any packages going to this address under Jamarcus Glover's name? He responded back and said, I think one of my guys just intercepted a package on a Jamarcus Glover, ended up later on being like a Jerry Glover or something, but it was a Glover. Um, so I'll get back with you. I showed the lead detective, said, this is what he said. I exchanged their phone numbers. I was done with it. About two weeks later, I run into the detective that was that he had referred our detective to out at UPS. And I said, Hey, Mike, I said, did you ever get back with Josh on that Glover case or the case? I didn't remember the guy's name. I said, the case that he asked me about, he said, yeah, I talked to Kelly Goodlett, who was the co-lead on this case. He said, we figured out it's the wrong Glover, totally different Glovers. Um, once we started comparing vehicles and stuff, we realized it wasn't the same. So no, there's nothing going to that address under his name, which if you deal with any dope dealers and packages, they do not send dope in their name <laughs> to a location. Yeah, they make hello. up some name because they want to have that plausible deniability. Sure. They're not dumb. Um, so I saw Josh the next day in the hall and said, Josh, I talked to Mike last night. He said, it, there's no packages going there in his name. He said, yeah, I talked to Kelly. Now I've got to do these warrants. I, just, I was hoping to do a ripper reversal. Now I've got to do all these warrants. I said, sorry, man. Have fun. I was done with it. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> Got my own stuff to deal with. <laughs> two, two and a half months later, we get an email saying, hey, will you help out? We need bodies. They just sent this to all narcotics. We need bodies. We got five locations we're hitting. SWAT's hitting a couple of them, but we need bodies. It's manpower intensive. Um, I looked at my schedule. I happened to be working FedEx up until 10 p.m. that night. The brief was at 10 p.m. that night. I said, I emailed back. I said, I'll do it. I looked at the locations on the map and said, I'll take Springfield. <laughs> the others were down in our in our urban poor area. If only you had done. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. I was going to take the easy one, right? The, the safer one, one, the right? easy one. Get in and out, be done. Good call. Uh, make the easy overtime. Big mistake. Um, so I signed up for that one. 
and never putting two and two together from two and a half months earlier. Cause I had, we do 40, 50 warrants a week in, in parcels. There's no way if I was that smart, I would not have been a cop. <laughs> details from two and a half months ago on a case I had nothing to do with. Well, it's hard to keep uh, up with know, all the, the dopers names. And exactly. Stuff too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah their, their attorneys were like, well, there's, it was a cover up. There's no way you surely, you remember that. I'm like, dude, I, I yeah. don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. You yeah. think I'm going to remember something I had no interest in? Right. Come to my you world know, for so, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm 50 now. Things don't remember the same Hey, hey, hey. Tread lightly. Tread lightly. I could almost have given birth to you, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, man. So, so that's what led us to that point, because people have questions about the case. And, and the big thing now is that it was a illegal warrant, bad warrant. Well, these detectives made a mistake. They screwed up. Mm-hmm. They put in there that it was verified that a package was going to Jamarcus Glover at that address. Line didn't even need to be in there. They've got pictures of Jamarcus Glover and video of him coming to the house, empty-handed, going in, coming out with postal packages, getting in his car, going straight to the trap house. They've got this. They didn't need to put that line in there. All they had to put was that. We've got him coming here, taking a package. This is indicative of of the drug trade, exactly. you know, all the stuff you put in warrants. But for whatever reason, they left that line in there, which mm. totally makes the, the warrant look bad. Mm. Even though there was enough probable cause, didn't need it, but they lied on that part. Mm. Whether it was intentional or not, that'll be seen in court. Um, I hope it wasn't, but it sounds like it was. And I don't, that, again, you've got young detectives trying to pad a case to make sure they've got everything in order because the leadership wasn't there to go, hey, that's uncalled for. It's not needed. Sure. And that's just lack of experience. And, I, and it's going to come back to bite them, bit us, because um, it makes us look like dirty cops when when that's not the case on our end. Sure. We were serving a legit warrant that night. Right. And you're working in good faith because you weren't part of that investigation. Yeah, you've got to. You know, people were like, well, how, why didn't you go over the warrant? I'm like, oh, please. Hey, what, I could have read the warrant a hundred times. <laughs> exactly. I have no idea what they did in their investigation. You know, this is no different than SWAT serving the warrant at the other house. Right. You're, you're called upon, you're sent to a spot, you do yep. what you're supposed to do. So we get there about uh, 10 o'clock that night on Thursday night. It was March 12th. This rolled into Friday, March 13th. Mm-hmm. It was a full moon out. There's your raining. other warning And it son. was Friday oh the 13th. That, yeah, y'all, y'all <laughs> missed all your cues here, boys and girls. This is just on y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> full moon, yeah, Friday right the 13th. Nah, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I, I looked out and saw the moon. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. That and the flat but tires. I come out. <laughs> I come out and I had a flat tire on my car. <laughs> Two of them. The car behind me had flat tires. I'm going, John, what in the world, honey. <laughs> so I find another car. I'm soaking wet from the rain. I'm ticked off. I leave some of my gear in the car. I left my tourniquet in the car when I was transferred everything over. Of all things. Wow. You know, who's going to need a tourniquet, right? Uh, of course. Well, little did we know. So we get to the location and and I'll skip all the little stuff in between. They can read the book if people want. It's 12 seconds in the dark. You get on Amazon. And when I get there, we go up and we knock on the door. And, and in the brief, they said, hey, give her time to come to the door. She's a heavy set black female. She's there alone. No dogs, no gun, or no boyfriends, no kids. It's just her. Easy, soft target, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you think. So naturally, one of the mistakes you make is you let your guard down a little bit, mm-hmm. even though we were prepared. But psychologically, I'll admit the guard was dropped a little bit because sure. I've done 2,000 of these things. I've been shot at. I've been in some bad cases where you're there, where you know the intel says if you come at me, we're gonna have a shootout. Mm-hmm. You know, then you're you're on high alert. Everything's just squared away and, and zoned in, tuned in. 
Uh, well, this one's like, okay, we're helping out. It's overtime, easy target. Let's go knock this thing out, get the paperwork or money or whatever they need, and, and we'll get out of here. So we go and we knock on the door. And originally it was just normal knocks because that's what they asked us to do. They wanted her on board to testify against these other guys. Knock on the door, nothing. Knock on the door again, nothing. So at this point, you've got you to do what you do. Start banging on the door. The loud police knocks, please search warrant, come to the door, please search warrant. Well, that alerted one of the neighbors upstairs. He comes out. He gets into an argument with our guys. They're telling him, go back in your house, go back in your apartment. Um, so people heard us. Mm-hmm. The guy downstairs who, who later on we find out the bullets go through the wall into their apartment, mm-hmm. he said in his statement, he heard us yelling and was coming to the door to see who it was when the gunfire started. So the whole theory of it was a no-knock is totally <laughs> yeah. wrong. It was a knock and announce. We were there for a minute screaming police, which wow. is an eternity when you're standing oh, in the door. Yeah. I mean, sure. it feels like hours. Are they loading? Uh, what are they you doing? Don't know what's on the other side. <laughs> so at that point, I should have, from all my experience, the two times I've been shot at in warrants, both times were going against what we always do. It was people going, no, let's try this different. And my instincts going, ah, this don't feel right, but we'll try it. And naturally things just go south. Sure. Um, so we knocked for a minute, bang, police search warrant, police search warrant, no answer. Finally, we had to breach it. When the door was breached, it swung from right to left. I was able to see the right side of the living room uh, before we stepped into the, the, the doorway. So I'm on the left side of the door, not in the fatal funnel like everybody thinks. Oh, we're all just hanging out there waiting for <laughs> something to happen. Um, so once I can't see anymore, we're all yelling police at this point. Mm-hmm. So there's no way somebody inside didn't hear us. Everybody's yeah. yelling, police search warrant, police search warrant. You got your gun lights on. Sure. Um, and as soon as I step in to see down this hallway and step in the door frame, I see Kenneth Walker at the end of the hall. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup because it was dark. But as my as my light comes around to, to his vision, I see like two people that are overlapped. Because this is a small hallway, maybe three foot wide. She's a big girl. He's not a small guy. They are crammed in this hallway on top of one another. So it's like one person with two heads. Wow. So my brain's already going, what? Man, <laughs> what am I looking right at here? This, <laughs> normally people run, they give up, they hide, but not two of them standing there waiting for you. Sure. And as my, as my sight picture comes around to him, I see an outstretched hand. I see the tip of his gun. And by the time I see this, your brain's going, something's not right. Something, oh my goodness, there's a gun. Boom, it's too late. I mean, this is happening in milliseconds. And how far from and you distance-wise? About 30 feet. Oh, okay. Okay. 25, 30 feet. So we're at the door. They're at the very end of this apartment. It's two bedrooms, uh, living room, bedroom, another bedroom. They're at the very end. Okay. So it's it's a pretty deep hallway. Um, I see the gun. I see the flash. I feel the hit in my leg. I instantly knew I was hit. I returned four shots. Um, at this time, Kenneth Walker, as soon as he shot, he dove out of the way into a bedroom. Uh, unfortunately, Brianna tried to follow him in there. Her feet, when she fell backwards, were almost out of the threshold into the bedroom. So she had gotten pretty far. Uh, unfortunately, though, her following him ran right into the bullets. Sure. Um, so she falls back against the hall. We get out of there. I knew it instantly I was hit. When I reached down and felt my leg, I felt a handful of blood. So I knew it was a, a femoral hit. Wow. Because on the street, you see many people hit. Leg wounds usually don't bleed a lot. Mm-hmm. As soon as I felt that, I was like, ah, this ain't good. So I get out of there. I hobble out to the street. And I'm yelling at my lieutenant, say, give me a tourniquet. I need a tourniquet. I need a tourniquet. Um, they, they start working, get it on. Originally, he tried to put a belt on because he didn't have a tourniquet on him. Didn't work. Belts don't work like in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> the blood. They kept slipping. I uh, couldn't get it tight. 
Uh, but when that tourniquet went on, I knew it was on because, buddy, yeah. that hurt. I would take get a shot again over a tourniquet on my leg for 40 minutes because that was no fun, man. That, worst pain of my life. Sure. And um, so all that's done. And in the meantime, Kenneth Walker's inside, and he calls his mom. He didn't call 911. Everybody thinks the way the news puts it out, mm-hmm. he heard us banging at the door. He called 911 because he thought intruders were coming. Not true. He didn't call 911 until six minutes after the event took place. <laughs> So the timeline that the news puts out is totally false. He calls his mother first, then six minutes later calls 911, then calls Brianna's mom. He didn't come out of the apartment for almost 17 minutes. Wow. And in 17 minutes, you can hide a lot of things. You can do a lot of things. Exactly. So a couple misconceptions was not a no-knock warrant. She was not asleep in her bed. Um, they said they didn't find any money or, or drugs or guns or other than what he had. It wasn't searched for. All they did was the ballistic uh, search for ballistic bullets, blood capture all that. And then they left. They, they wouldn't allow narcotics to go do the search for narcotics. Jeez. So no telling what happened in that 17 minutes or what was in the house that they missed. Cause we know money was missed because of the jail calls where uh, Glover's called and they get his 14,000 back. And then Walker calls another time and gets a thousand dollars that he had sitting by the TV on the nightstand. So none of that stuff was collected. Did we hear any flushing uh, noises by any chance <laughs> during these however many I minutes? I no idea. I was, I was too busy trying to stay alive. I, I um, Some detective but, you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kid. I should have my head in the game. Um, so all these things are happening. All these lives are taking place. They're saying we had the wrong apartment. And that that's still, people still believe that. I had a, when I, I, I spoke in Bowling Green about two months ago at a, at a women's Republican event. And it got some huge negative press. People couldn't believe, uh, you know, I'm talking about, I'm celebrating this killing is what they were saying. I'm oh, like, good grief. You know, yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous. And um, and they keep saying that that we have video of this. We were showing video of her dying. And I'm like, I, not that I wish there were video of her dying, but I wish there were video of this event because sure. it would show the truth. Sure. Right? And all this, these naysayers would be, you know, done away with. Sure. Um, so... We get to that point. He calls 911 six minutes in, says, I don't know who's at the door. But here's the catcher. Donovan Duncan is a police officer that lives in that apartment complex. He grew up with Kenneth Walker, went to middle school with him, high school, good friends with him, talked to him in there, talks to him on the phone, knows his mother. When he heard the shots, he put his uniform on and he came outside. Well, the scene was secured at that point, so he's on the edge of the scene. Kenneth Walker's mom shows up to the scene. She comes up to Donovan and says, I don't know what's going on. Kenneth called me and said, they're at the door. She said, I said, who's at the door, baby? And he said, it's the police. I got to go and hung up. Oh, boy. So at what point did this take place? Because there were three I don't know who it is. Though. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody just kicked my door. I always want to call my mama to tell her the police are at the door, exactly. too. That's definitely my first call. Well, the kicker is there were three phones in this apartment, one on Kenneth, one on Brianna, and one on the nightstand. So they collected all three. But they only did the data search on two of them because, number one, they couldn't get in the other phone. But still, they could have done the 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 historical data, which mm-hmm. shows what phone calls were made to and from that phone. Sure. They didn't do it on that one for whatever reason. Or if they did, they didn't tell us. The FBI took that phone. The other phone was taken by the AG's office. So we don't know what's on that phone. We don't know if that call was made as we were knocking at the door. We have no idea. And if they had just gone and either – subpoenaed Kenneth Walker's mother's phone or that phone, they would know if he's lying, telling, saying that he's at the door. We have to believe 
that he's lying because sure. he's lied about everything else. Sure. You know, in, in one statement, he talks about how when she was shot, he grabbed her and laid her down on the floor and was oh, over yeah. her. We didn't have any blood on him. Plus, where he would have been standing, he would have been dead because of the bullet holes. So all that's fabricated. Said said he dropped the gun and kicked it in the other room and it went under a bed. And this is about 12 feet away. You don't drop kick a nine millimeter 12 feet away around a corner underneath nope. the bed. Nope. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> nope. So all the lies that just took place from this guy and, and that the media just gobbled up and believed and, and that our, our department refused to get out and go, hey, these we can't get into detail, but they had the right apartment. Here's a search warrant. Got yeah. her name on it. It's got her address on it. They wouldn't do that for whatever reason. Wow. And they just let this thing spin out. And that was the biggest tragedy in all this. Yeah. Yep. Well, other than the life of her. I, you know, nobody right. wants an innocent life to be taken. Sure. But the, the tragedy after the fact, as far as police go, was that our department and city totally covered it up for whatever reason. And are those people still in power? The mayor, the chief? Um, our chief, the mayor just finished his last, he, he was in office for 12 years. That's the limit you can do here. Okay. He just got out of office. We got a new mayor that was elected, started January. Hmm. Uh, that police chief ended up getting fired halfway during this investigation uh, after another shooting took place and somebody didn't have a body camera on. And so they used that as an excuse to get rid of him. But our mayor and chief go way back. Um, we had a, a debacle with our Explorer program probably six years ago where some of those guys were grooming young kids mm. and having sex with them. Mm. And when that was brought to the chief, he took it to the mayor and they totally covered it up. Nobody knew about it for about two <laughs> years. They didn't discipline it. Guy stayed on the police department. I mean, it was unreal. Wow. And finally, when it got exposed, they leaked just a little bit here and there. And they finally paid, you know, those families, which they should have. Mm -hmm. um, but the corruption has been going on for years with these two, as far as covering things up. And they're not held accountable, which amazes me. Right. And sad, the new chief, so to speak, that came in after that hasn't wanted to <laughs> clarify this stuff to... No. Well, she's, <laughs> she just left too, thank God. But when she came here from Atlanta after she screwed that the Brooks case up. Okay. She totally botched that one, fired there those guys. Go. They got their jobs back. Mm -hmm. She came to Louisville, and her first televised statement... I was still in the department. Her first televised statement said... Oh, Brianna was asleep in her bed, and and this is this is white reckoning. They would never do this to a to a white person or in a white end of town. And I'm sitting back going, "Did my chief just call me a racist? Yeah, I'm, no you know, do you not know the details of this case? She had to. Wow. You know, she applied for this job. The, the hiring process went on for months. Wow. She had to know the ins and outs of this case and got on TV and just totally blasted us. So I requested two different meetings with her. Was denied both times. Um, her or the staff wouldn't speak with me. It, it's unbelievable the lengths these people go to the, to just preserve their jobs. Well, and it's a shame we don't have a media that wants to pursue the truth right. that would push people like that to be able to show that they're, they're just in this for whatever reason and not for the facts and the truth. Yeah. So Louisville was nothing but just another pit stop for her because these chiefs are like, Oh, yeah. They're like NFL coaches. You go somewhere, you screw the system <laughs> up, you go to the next place. Somebody else hires you and throws you a huge contract. You screw it up, you get fired there, go to the next place. It's just, it's a big circle jerk. And I'm sorry about that. No, you're here, right. But no, that's that's right. what it is. Well, that's Phoenix, what it is. Is, they just, Phoenix's interim was in Louisville at one time before he went to Baltimore. And I don't know what his name is right yeah, off the top of my Mike, head. Mike um, uh, Sullivan. Is Mike it, Sullivan. Okay. Because he. That uh, was him. But he wasn't the chief 
in Louisville when no, this happened. No, Mike. Okay. Mike. I think Mike's a good guy. I really do. Well, he's an idiot. I don't. I know him, but happy don't to know say him that. on a personal level. But I've never seen him do anything that was Shady. that would be that way. Yeah. He, he was pretty much a policeman's policeman. Well, he's had a lobotomy. They might tell then. me different there, but yeah, <laughs> he may have changed since he got chief. But no, he's 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 now bringing in the dumbest use of force policy anybody's ever yeah. seen, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it's going to get. I hate to hear that. Yeah, it's going to get people killed or. Or yeah. they're gonna quit. They're all gonna quit. They don't have that many left to quit. But um, yeah, it, well, it's, that's their goal, isn't it? I mean, they'll bring the national know, police in. Maybe I mean, could be could be I, the plan. He's only there. Something to arrive. I don't know what for two years. But he's supposed to keep him out of a consent decree with the DOJ. I think he's gonna get him into yeah, one. Yeah, that's what but, I think. Um, and we'd love to have him on the show in case he ever happens to listen. He's more than welcome to come tell his side of the story, but I ain't going to be very nice about it. So, um, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people have to be held accountable, especially if you're willing to, if you're willing to put yourself in that position Absolutely. of authority, yeah. yes. you've got to be held accountable. Yes. And unfortunately they don't want to do that. They push it all the way down the ranks as far as they can. So there's a fall guy that doesn't really matter to them. They just get rid of him and move on. So that female is still the chief. No, she just left. And she was never in town anyway. Nobody ever knew where she was. She she scammed the city for money. I mean, it's a joke. Where'd she, she got go? a million dollar contract? She only did two years of it. It was a guaranteed contract. They, again, she was never in the town. She, I think I've seen her in uniform two times. She always wow. wore just pantsuits. Wait a minute. Even when I'm, she was representing the department, a million dollars for two years is no she? for what well, was for five years. Oh, okay. But it was two hundred thousand a year for five years, and it was a guaranteed contract. How do I get she that deal? Two, I know, huh? Y'all need a new chief. I'll be happy to come in. Man, I would have taken it. I'll do it at this point. Y'all going to like me. I need a job. Nobody will hire me. I got policy. Hey, I got standards here. I won't be there long, but we're going to have some fun that first, however long there I can get go. away with it. I'd do it for 150 <laughs> <laughs> I'll even cut them a deal. <laughs> there you go. A lot of people want to come to work for me if I'm ever chief or sheriff because we're going to have some fun. But, wow, did she go somewhere else? Is she chief somewhere else? I have no idea. Wow. I have no idea. We're going to have to look that up now. Mm-hmm. we got to follow her. Uh, Erica Shields. Yeah. Good okay. woman. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what about the chief now? Uh, well, that was her car, too, from Atlanta. It came with her. Uh, she's interim chief. Um, oh, boy. Don't know much about her. She says the right things, but from people I've talked to inside, it's just same game. Well, she needs to get in name. front of the media then do the right thing if right. that's if that's true. It'd be great because she's a black female. Then she and needs if for to. once somebody... You know, because for whatever reason, and this is going to be controversial, but for whatever reason, black people can say whatever they want about yes. white folks. Yes. But when we criticize a black folk, and not for being black, criticize them for the job they're doing, right. it becomes racist. Sure. And I'll never understand it. My son-in-law's black. We talk, you know, plainly. Yes. And and so I I don't know when that playing field is going to get leveled, but we I, need, if you want equity, let's get equity. Well, and that's the problem. And that's why they went after you after speaking at that Republican women's thing, because you're, you're you're giving facts, so all they can do then is attack you personally mm-hmm. because right. they're not going to get into a debate with you about the truth because you can prove your side of this thing is pretty clear. And yeah. so all they can do then is go for the stuff that if anybody questions or criticizes, they too are a bigot or mm-hmm. a racist or whatever. Yeah. And, and it scares a lot of people, unfortunately. Well, sure. But it does. Well, yeah, they should have all been in my critical thinking class when I taught <laughs> college because that, well, nobody that, does that anymore. No more. Nobody critically thinks. No. It's ridiculous. It's too hard. It makes your brain. Regurgitation. It's all it makes your brain hurt, you know, to have yeah. to think about both sides of an right. argument. And you're probably on the wrong side of the argument. But 
Um, how I have to ask, because being married to DEA, but how how was your family handled during all of this matter hmm. and the publicity and everything? It had to be horrible. Yeah. So for the first month, it wasn't bad. You know, COVID had just kicked off. Um, so that that totally consumed the media. Sure. And then um, once Ahmaud Aubrey happened, Ben Crump got on that case. Yep. And the one of the attorneys for Breonna Taylor's family had interned for him in college. So she knew him. So she called him and said, hey, we're not getting any attention here. Can you can you get us some attention? Well, he saw money and was like, oh, yeah, I can get you attention. Hold on. <laughs> so it was, oh, if you if you run for a mod, run for Bree. That was the whole thing when he did that two-mile run or yeah. whatever it was. And so that started getting her name going. And then you could feel the tension in the city start to pick up. Sure. And then the threats started coming in. And then it got released about the warrant as far as the misinformation on it. And that kind of was the powder keg mm -hmm. that blew Louisville up. And then a few days after that, that's when George Floyd happened. So now we had this trifecta of, of tragedies yep. between Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, and then George Floyd, the pinnacle. Yep. And naturally, all three got tied in together, even though one had nothing to do with police. Sure. And then two separate incidences on police force. And but somehow it all got packaged together as we're all the same. We're all <laughs> yeah. white supremacists. Of course. We all abuse power. We all do these things. Yep. And and people bought it because emotions were high. Sure. And again, there was no pushback against it. We couldn't talk. Right. And so it was frustrating. And once that happened, the doxing was it was like overnight, just a flood of, of threats, harassment, my kids, my parents, everybody. Yeah. Everybody got a piece of it. And so um we started hearing rumors from our informants and narcotics that, hey, so Brianna Taylor's mom, let me let me frame this. Um, she wasn't part of her upbringing. Her dad's in prison. Her grandma raised her, Brianna. Yeah. And then when grandma died, mom kind of stepped back in the picture and, and, and whatever. But Brianna was an adult at this time. So um, her mom is part of a, a motorcycle club in Louisville called No Haters. It's a drug dealing, gun smuggling. <laughs> Uh, they hurt people. I mean, they're the real deal as far as if you want to call somebody a thug, they are thug criminals. That's what they are. Um, Interesting they, they, name. Yeah. yeah. No haters. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's my dog. Sorry. Um, so when the, the rumors were that her motorcycle club had met with Sin City from Chicago, they came down and they're a national motorcycle club and that they had put a hit together on the officers that were involved in this case. And at this time she already had some GoFundMe money coming in. And so, and again, our, our GoFundMe's were shut down instantly. Although her and, and Kenneth Walker, the guy that shot me, his got up to like three fifty, hers got up to like eight, 8 million. Um, but we're not allowed to have it for whatever reason. Wow. Yeah. But that's that made no sense there. to me. So yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So the, uh, the threat started coming in and then it kind of died down and we didn't really hear any more about it. It wasn't substantiated. Hmm. It was just kind of talk. Well, then on Sunday, um, I think it was May 30th, the, I got a call from uh, a TFO in the FBI that used to work for me and he was in the counterterrorism task force. Oh boy. And he said, John, what are you doing? And I told him and he's like, man, I hate to do this to you, but you need to get you and your family and y'all got to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. We've got, two different informants, one that works for the ATF and the one that works for uh, narcotics that have come into the FBI with the same story, Ooh. detailed. One of them claims they were at the meeting with Sin City and them, Ooh. and the FBI has has 
uh, not verified, but corroborated this information. And they, they want you to go somewhere. Her birthday's coming up June 7th. Uh, they want to have a reason to celebrate and they want one of y'all's heads is the reason. Wow. So middle of the night, packed everybody up, went out of town. I called our, I called somebody from our department, one of the leaders and said, what am I supposed to do? Is there a place I can go? And they were like, Oh, let me, let me get back with you. Well, they called me back a few minutes later and said, uh, and, and granted all the riots were going on in downtown Louisville. I mean, right. tens of thousands, 20,000, 30,000 mm-hmm. people, seven people shot the first night of the riots. Things weren't good. I mean, sure. it, it was rough. And, um, they said, you can go, we'll put you up in the Galt house for two weeks, which is in the middle of downtown because they have a contract <laughs> with them for a discount. Good plan. And we'll parade went, you right you through know, the riots. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thanks, but no thanks. I'll figure it out. You know, you've been zero help up to this point. Sure. I'll figure it out. And so I called around, got a, a place a couple hours away. We went there um, and never went back. We had just moved in this house five weeks prior. We sold it. We couldn't go back. Um, the sad part is, 10 days after the FBI opened this case, and, and if y'all worked, your husband, your ex-husband's DEA, so he understands to open a federal case, it's like opening a, a local police case. Not you at all. Just draw a number and throw a case file in a box. It's Absolutely. not the way it works. They've got to get approval up the rank. Yep. This case, and once they open them, they don't like closing them. Nope. Because then once you close them, you're not reopening again, That's right. generally. And so 10 days later, this case was officially closed, and they quit investigating her mother because they said they did not want to go after a national victim's mom who's black. <laughs> the optics look bad. And wow. the only thing this is, and, and it's in my book too. The only way we can relate it is Amy Hess was the highest ranking female FBI official up to this point. She worked in DC. Jim Comey appointed her mm-hmm. uh, to a position in DC, which should tell you a lot right there. Absolutely. Uh, when she retired, <laughs> she came to work for uh, the city of Louisville as our public safety director over police fire and EMS. And, <laughs> She is very good friends with the SAC, the FBI SAC in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And our mayor from day one was on, was against us. Wanted us fired, wanted us indicted. Uh, you know, justice for Brianna. We're going to get justice in this case. Yeah. That's what he kept saying. I kept going, what's justice? Right. You know, it, there, nobody can define that. Well, you and have a hole in so, your leg, by exactly. the way, and almost bled to death. Where's my yeah. justice? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, no pound sand was my justice. I'm sure it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Um, the only thing we can put together is that the mayor leaned on Amy Hess or asked her, Hey, call your buddy over there, make this thing go away. Kind of like they did the, the child sex explorer thing, Mm -hmm. make it go away. And sure enough, boom, gone, done. And oddly enough, the guy that was the sack in Louisville is now in her old office in DC. (laughs) Funny how scratch my back. I scratch yours. Got an interesting coincidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, just weird. It was just yeah. part of his trajectory, I'm sure. Oh, of course. Of course Absolutely. it was. Field, but. Yeah, but and I have so, to laugh because I have to correct you. Now, now you need to get these straight <laughs> if you're going to be dealing with the feds. DEA is a SAC, but now the FBI is an SAC. They don't call. S-A-C. They don't call him a sack. That's offensive. It's an SAC. I got when well, I taught it's offensive, it, then he's a sack. <laughs> you have to be able, body part. Well, you have to be thinking. able to differentiate the two. When I yeah. taught at Quantico for the bureau years ago, that got correct. I said sack because I'm in a exactly. DEA household, and I was very quickly told it is not. It's an SAC. Well, it's kind of spelling the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But this yes. makes it even more appropriate. So when you want to refer to him, you refer to him as the sack. Professionally known as an SAC. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Mr. Brown, uh, that's who it was, is, is, is a, an official sack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very sack. Um, 
so, you know, that was disappointing because your whole career, you think, you know, the FBI was always stuffy. They always oh, yeah. kind of looked down on you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you thought, well, we're still on the same team. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, in sure. some form or fashion. So why would you worry about optics? And that was Amy Hess's big word, optics, optics, optics. Everything's optics. And then that's the word that that the FBI was told, the agents, because they were mad. The agents I on the ground that. were mad. Absolutely. I'll give them credit. Yep. But they were shut down, told they had to. And once those case files are, are electronically locked away, they, they have no access to them. Mm-hmm. So they can't keep working them. And um, so it was disappointing to know that even the guys that were supposed to be on your team totally abandoned you and went the other way. And even more so is the fact that then she got $12 million. So this lady has gotten $20 million Jeez. now. You think you can't get a good hit for $20 million yeah. bucks somewhere in there? Absolutely. Especially for people who are either wanting to make a name for themselves or for the cause or, or right. just for the money. Sure. And so that's, that's the part that was more troubling than any of it, the not know. Sure. Because if you know something, at least you can prepare. Sure. At least you can watch out. But you don't know who's pulling up beside you, what their intentions are. You know, so that made my family very uh, un- unsteady. And sure. as cops, we're kind of hardened. We're kind of, you know, callous to a lot of things. Sure. We've been threatened our whole careers. I'm going to get out and kill you. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. But your family hadn't. Your little kids haven't. Right. And when they hear all this stuff, when that's put on them, and then that comes to you, I mean, there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah. So How old were your kids? I wouldn't, wouldn't anybody. Um, my youngest was five at the time, mm-hmm. and then 20, at the time, 23, 22, and 20. Okay. Yeah, or yeah. 19. Yeah. 19, 22, and 23. Yeah, our, our kids at, at four and seven had a contract out on them for a year we didn't even know existed. Yeah, and they're 30. Wow. Three tomorrow. One of them's thirty-three tomorrow and thirty-five, and yeah, it that that's a whole that takes a whole different turn when it's the kids. Well, especially so the five-year-old when he's eight now lives with me. Mm-hmm. I can protect him, my wife, better than I can protect my grown kids who have careers, who have to work, sure, who are away from me. So sure. as cops, we're protectors, right? Yep. We're Type A. We want to be in control <laughs> of that. And then when you have zero control, and now they're a couple hours away, yep, and threats are still coming in. People are going by their house taking pictures. Sure. You know, all this stuff makes you like, you feel helpless. Sure. And that's worse than, than you know, being in a fight and losing. Well, and the I want to. you can't even be in it. <laughs> I want to put this out to anybody out there who's who works in narcotics, gangs, whatever. Don't be stupid like we were. Don't name your son <laughs> after the agent father. Like exact same yeah. name. Especially yeah. when your name's not always the most common it ain't like tom smith um yeah i don't know what we were thinking but we obviously weren't and you know you just go really that's the dumbest thing fortunately he was infantry in the marine corps he had to be he didn't have a damn choice he had had to teach the kid at a young age what a gun was and how to use it um but yeah y'all don't y'all don't do that y'all y'all think a little more than we did because that wasn't the brightest thing we did puts a target on people's backs forever right and that's, yep. that's tough. What about your wife? See, I'm hoping she'd probably not like me. See, I'd have been out blowing things up and burning people's houses <laughs> and shooting people and all kind of stuff. But no, she was, she was in total mom protection mode. Yep. You know, do whatever you gotta do to keep us safe. Cause I was the same way. I'm like, man, I want to sit here in my underwear with my AR and smoking a cigar waiting for him. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I, I, at that point you just don't care. Right. Sure. All the other reasons out the door and you're like, let's do it. Sure. Um, did y'all have any protection no. offered? We did finally. Okay. Um, and if it weren't for a guy 
guy named Tom Chardine, who was over our dignitary protection. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had to push and pull strings and strong arm and, and basically threaten saying, hey, if anything happens to these guys and you know about it, this is on you. Yep. You know, he was putting right. them on, on Front Street before they would finally cave in and give us some bodies um, to help us out. But it was it took it took some doing. They I don't know. You know, departments aren't used to dealing with this thing, right? Mm-hmm. National stories. Mm-hmm. There's very few that go through the George Floyds and the Breonna Taylors and the right. Michael Brown and and these type things. But once it's here, you got to figure something out. Sure. You can't just put your head in the sand. And that's what they did. Sure. You know, they just wanted it to go away. Let's mm-hmm. just not talk about it. It'll go away. What well, it didn't go away? Yeah, right. it just made things worse. Sure. Oh, 100%. So how long did y'all have that protection? Um, well, when we moved, I gave mine up so they would sit on my kids at home mm-hmm. um, because I didn't need it. You know, take care of them. I can't take care of them. I think it was four months. Oh, okay. But could the kids yeah, go to school? It was could, could they? Could your youngest go to school or do any of the normal things that he had done prior to this? Yeah, where out? we moved is a very uh, conservative area. There you go. And, and so I, I'm I'm good where we're at. Good. I have no concerns. <laughs> good. The community would back. And, sure. Uh, now where they're now the others are still you know closer to home and and you know one owns a business and and this stuff still goes on which is amazing so she got a a detailed threat on how what they were going to do to her business what they were going to do to her all this stuff well the FBI took that also and these same guys were working they're like if we can't they won't do you we'll at least do this one sure. they're working it working it they they track an IP address back to one of the major um, uh, people that were causing the disruption during the riots, one of the organizers. And they took it to the U S attorney in Louisville. And he went, uh, we're going to, we're not going to touch this one, go to Indiana because we're right on the border of Indiana and Kentucky. So, you know, divided by the Ohio river. That's it. Right. And the perpetrator was in Kentucky. My daughter lives in Indiana and he, he copped out saying, well, since she's in Indiana, give it to the Indiana USA. We we're, we're going to recuse ourselves. And I don't even know this U.S. attorney. There was no reason to recuse. He just wanted to pass the buck because they didn't want to deal with it. Right. Optics. They took Optics. It to the <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they took it to the Indiana AUSA, and they saw the name Mattingly on it and wouldn't even read the complaint and said, no, we're not doing anything with this. He said, cowards. here was his words. Here was his statement. If something happens, then we'll investigate. <gasps> wow. I said, so I ended up having a conversation with this U.S. Yeah, attorney. I bet you it did. didn't go so well. And uh, I kind of flipped the script on him and told him, you know, if something happens to your family, then you can come investigate me. But uh, so, yeah, you know, turned that, out fair play, right? That's yeah. when you list his name at your address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his car is my car. Absolutely. Right. Social media. Absolutely. Yeah, there are more ways, ways to skin a cat than one. Absolutely. They need to know that they too can be in the crosshairs That's right. of someone's rifle or whatever. But yeah, and I, you know, and it's really sad because I really don't think people understand that law enforcement families go through this stuff. Not right. Fortunately, not very often, but they do. It right. does happen. Yeah. And it, it, it's not like the criminal element goes, well, that's his wife and his kids are off limit. They don't really have those standards. And now you can well, find you anybody. Know, say police used to be off limits. Right. Right? Even when I started in 2000, yeah. you know, people were scared to assault police. Well, that's or the especially difference. shoot them. Right. There was fear. And now, now there's money. Oh my goodness. You know what I yeah. thought was funny? Yeah. In your book, you talk about um, the doxing and that they put out your addresses for your home, your phone numbers, your dates of birth, everything. And then uh, 
few months later, one of the ladies that did all that, she got her phone number put out and she was all up in arms about, Karma, oh, baby. you can't do this to me. And she, she said, this is, this is, uh, what, what's the term she used? She said, so she was, she was part of Black Lives Matter Louisville. Of course. And she was part of the bail reform thing, the, where they pay people's bail. Sure. And so her phone number somehow got passed around the inmates and they were all calling her. Hey, bail me out, bail me out, bail me out. So she said, this is putting my family in danger with my number being out uh-huh. there. Now but I'm I thinking, have no problem. <laughs> Let me find your address and I'll, I'll post that too. I yeah. did because wow. it's morally not the right thing to do. But now you get a little bit of taste. And it's, you know, her threats are totally different. They're just mad they're not paying her bail. Right. They're not they're trying not, to kill her. Exactly. Right. It's totally different. Right, right. Yeah. But did the U.S. attorneys, the two that were obviously cowards or chicken shit or whatever you want to call them, uh, they get docs by any chance? No, well, probably not. Well, dang. Yeah. See, I'd be good at stuff like this. You know, I, I read your book. I think it was in September I read your book. And I remember getting worked up reading your book. And then I, when I knew that we were going to have you on the podcast last two weeks, I've been going back through your book and stuff. And I, I told my wife last night, I said, man, if I ever want to get worked up over something, I could just read 12 seconds <laughs> in the dark. It just all the bullshit that you guys went through and just – we're hung out to dry was just crazy. Is that why you didn't give the me the book thing. to read? That's right. <laughs> you don't me, need to get one. Let me yeah, tell you something. This should be punching people. Yeah, John, if there's, if there's things you need done, I'm your girl, honey. <laughs> I, I'm your girl. The more it's chemo the I have, I like the less the less uh, filter, the less intimidation uh, factor. I, hey, it's never too late to dox. <laughs> you get me the info, I'll get it out. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, man. it's a... Uh, especially for the officers listening, man, because I travel around now and speak. Good. And and it's amazing how many guys bought into the lies. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Cops. Oh, yeah. I had a cop reach out to me on my social media, a sergeant, when I when I spoke in Bowling Green. And, man, you've – corrupt <laughs> cops like you make our job harder. Uh-huh. You violated her most uh, – you know, her precious home, and that's our uh-huh. sanctuary and all this stuff. And I'm like – I just responded. I was like, if you want to meet in person and talk about this, I'll Absolutely. gladly meet yeah. you and Absolutely. explain to you what happened. Absolutely. Um, yeah, cops are the worst. It's amazing how many, oh, they're like high school, middle high school girls. Y'all will eat your own. It's, oh, yeah. Y'all will but, eat your own. But what made it worse was your own department never came out and would give the facts, would never say, look, that's not true what they're saying. This is what, this is how it is. This is what it's, happened. So, you know, Tom, I can't blame the public. Right. For right. They don't know. That we're right. guilty. Yeah. Because for two and a half years, all they've been fed are lies. Yeah. Right. The department didn't come out and say, whoa, 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 those are lies. Right. And then they pay her before the before the criminal trials even yeah. done. Sure. So everybody goes, well, why'd they pay if you're not guilty? I'm going, oh, my God. Oh, goodness. yeah. I just don't understand how politics work. Exactly. I mean, it, it's all a cover-up. Well, you don't understand how l- litigation <laughs> works. I was a litigation paralegal 15 years. You pay people because it's cheaper to pay them than to not pay them and let right. this thing go farther. It yeah. is the other side of this yeah. thing too, but wow. Well, that, that your your old mayor was that gentrification pro- problem. You know, he didn't want that yeah. coming up. That would look yeah. real bad. Absolutely. He was so pandering too. It, oh, was, yeah. it was constant money dump into into neighborhoods that just abused the money, stole it. You know, into all these charitable organizations uh-huh. because that's where he would budget all the money because there's no accountability to those. Sure, you can't audit them. Sure. You know, all this stuff so they don't have to reveal what they did with their money. Sure. I mean, it's amazing the the little loopholes that he used to get his stuff done that he needed to get done. Man. Well, I want to go back to your injury, too, now, because, I mean, you're 
bleeding to death or feeling like your leg's fixing to fall off from that tourniquet. <laughs> Either way, yeah. it's not a good thing. Um, how long were you actually, I mean, did this require surgery? Were we in the hospital? What happened? Yeah, so about a five-hour surgery. They mm -hmm. took a vein from my leg and grafted, you know, cut out, I guess, about six inches of the artery. I've got about a 10-inch uh, scar up my leg. Mm -hmm. um, so they took the vein, grafted it into the artery. So wow. I've got a smaller artery there now, you know, that's a vein. But um, I've still got numbness in the leg. Mm -hmm. uh, knee's still a little bit messed up where when I was going out to the parking lot, just instinctively, <laughs> I stepped off a curb onto that leg Good. and it didn't work. <laughs> so the knee kind of gave out and I went down. And, um, so it, it's, it's been, it was, it was a challenge, but I was so determined to get back to work Yeah. because, you know, things weren't bad at first. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to get healthy. The first thing I do when I get back, is I'm going to go through a door. We're going to do a warrant. I got to go back. Sure. Gotta go back. So I rehab, rehab, rehab on my own and got, got back fairly quickly. How long did it and, take? Um, Probably two and a half months to get where I could do almost everything. Okay. Um, and then when I finally got back to work, when they finally brought me back, I walked in and my major said, hey, come to my office. I go to the office. He hands me an involuntary transfer to the property room. And I looked at him and I went, what is this for? And he said, man, not my call. I said, well, did you even fight it? Man, not my call, which tells me no. Oh, yeah. And I said, wait a minute. I didn't violate any law. I didn't break any policy. Why am I getting punished? I got shot for this stupid department. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to put me in a basement somewhere, take sure. away my overtime, take away. Cause I was, yeah. I was uh, over in Haida. I was oh, the yeah. director for our unit yep. with them. So you're taking away all this stuff from me, punishing me for what, yeah. you know, so oh, yeah. no answers that. So I slid the paperback across and said, you know what? I'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna take some vacation time. And then I put my papers in and sure. checked out. And I can a, see the writing on the wall. And, yeah. and what a tragedy to end a career mm -hmm. off of not doing anything wrong. I, right. This is this is the kind of stuff we see nowadays. Yeah. But yet the people who did the wrong stuff we cover up for yeah. that are oh. grooming children, yeah. we're going to cover they for these promoted. perverts. Yes. There <laughs> yeah. you go. Exactly. Yeah, they lost all that good experience and knowledge that you had from your 20-year career. Yes. Just They just flushed it away. Yes. Why yeah. did it take so long I mean, you said it didn't erupt immediately. What was the trigger that really erupted all the protest and the burning and, and all of that? Well, again, I think it went back to once those other tragedies took place with the Mott Aubrey and, and all that, then just the national publicity picked up. Okay. And once that, you know, once they saw an end, I think they took it, I think the national people, like until freedom, that's the big group that came in from New York mm -hmm. um, and they brought in the money, they brought in the people, um, I think they're the ones that saw an opportunity to make more money off of it. Sure. Because if this could be a, a big event and they capitalized and that's kind of what, what pushed it. Wow. Have you not had any of the conservative reporters at the national level want to put this story out there? You know, there's <laughs> been a, there's been a couple Grant Stinchfield did it. Greg Kelly, um, Megan Kelly. Oh, she did. Uh, yeah. And she was fired up about it. You know, I went on her podcast and she was supposed to have a guest after me. She's like, cancel that guest. We're keeping going. I'm pissed off. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Look out. You might be like having days. women pissed off. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, we got mouths you, you talk about Fox and your yeah. other big commentators who are big pound my chest. I'm pro police. I'm yeah. not scared. They, when we reached out to them, they were like, nah, we don't want it. See, I can see it. Tucker Carlson as somebody who would, because he tends to kind of walk a line there. That, I thought it would. Yeah. But. No. And he really didn't. Wow. That's no. a disappointment. Yeah. 
It is. I would I would have thought he would have of all people. Um, but and again, I think a lot of that is governed by who owns those mm. things sure too, is. and right. don't want too many of the optics. Well, you know, <laughs> Fox had got on there and said some stuff. Some of their guests had, you mm-hmm. know, that on their little five-person panels and stuff that were just totally out of line and wrong. Just like if they were watching CNN or MSNBC, mm-hmm. and I had my attorney send them a letter just saying, "Hey, here's this video that's inaccurate. Can you?" At least go back and retract it. Sure. And they told him to pound sand. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what set it off where they're like, eh. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't threaten to sue or any of that. We were just like, hey, can you just correct it? Sure. I thought you were one of the good guys. Right. But, sure. You know, it's it's all money. Wow. Yeah, that that's and that seems to be the trend of, of this world. And that's why I get so upset. You know, I probably lost some friends who probably weren't really friends after the Memphis Scorpion Squad debacle. My my thing was just wait. Everybody just hold slow your roll. Don't start jumping in conclusions right. about anything because we all you know, it's really funny. Cops are the worst about, you know, video my video didn't show everything because it doesn't show my peripheral and all these other things going on. But then cops were the first to go, did you see the video, Susan? And I'm going, oh, yeah. yeah, but there were things that led to this. And everybody, I'm not saying they were wrong. I'm not saying they were right. I'm just saying everybody stop. Take a breath. Let it play out. Yeah. So there's a uh, Bob Valvano, Jim Valvano from NC State back in the day that died, the cancer guy that yeah. said, never give up. I'll never give up. Well, his brother was a coach here in, in Louisville and on the radio and one of his statements was always when people would ask him questions or trying to, you know, get a, a, a an emotional answer out of him. His statement was always, let the cake bake. Yes. Just let the cake bake. <laughs> yeah. Once it's done, then we'll talk about it. We'll yes. see what it, what comes up. Yeah. You know, if it rises right or if it, it sinks or if it tastes good or if it tastes bad, we'll know sure. by the time the cake bakes. And uh, but, yeah, people don't want to do that. You're right. Cops no. are the worst. And, yeah. and, the, and, and your situation is going to be my argument for all, because the problem is, is when all the negative goes out, it doesn't ever get corrected. Right. You know, we aren't hearing anything out of Memphis for some time now. We Nobody knows anything about what's happened or what's right. happening or anything like that, but it'll never get corrected. If if there was bad information that went out, and yours is a, a prime example, especially of a situation where it's easy to show and prove. Mm-hmm. This isn't about who said and she said and he said. It's factually based. Right. This was her address. This is where you hit the right place. It wasn't like yeah. Old she days. wasn't in bed sleeping. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Glover wasn't in custody. They were like, "Oh, he'd been in custody for ten hours." I'm like, number one, we weren't looking for Glover. Everybody <laughs> keeps saying that he right. wasn't even there. Why were y'all there? That's that. It was a search warrant, not a not a arrest yeah. warrant. Right. Totally different. Absolutely. Um, and then, and he wasn't in custody. He actually got locked up after we made the raid. So, you know, just a, so many. Despair, yeah. you know, disparaging uh, disagreements that yeah. were easily proven wrong that they just refused to. And once the negative's out, it's there. But, you know, I remember working the riots here in the Phoenix area and, you know, the, a lot of Brianna stuff was coming out about sure. it. And, and, you know, I'm like, I don't know what happened. I have no idea. Right. All I know is you're going to do it peacefully or you're not going to do it in our city. You That's know? It. And it was just crazy. But we had a chief at the time that she stood behind us and said, if they want to protest peacefully, we'll let them. Sure. As soon as they break the law, they're going to jail. Act stupid. We'll right. show you how stupid you yeah. are. And, and of course, that's... yeah. And that was that was the weird thing about Louisville. Watching it and talking to the guys on the street was one minute they're going, "All right, we're not allowing that. Lock them up." They move in, and then some force would happen, and then they would go, "Okay, never mind. Back out. Let's have whatever they want. <laughs> do whatever yeah. they want." They would yeah. do that for days, and they're like, "Okay, now we're stopping it. Okay, now we're let." So the police were confused. The public was confused, yeah. and it was just chaos. 
And, and when you have chaos, nobody wins. Right. Well, and I know some of the Phoenix guys were kind of laughing about the main ones downtown where they were going after the federal building and all that stuff because they were talking about guys would come up when cameras weren't around. <laughs> the protesters are coming up, man. Yeah, y'all doing a good job. And all. man, let the cameras come out though. And all of a sudden now it's you know these. Right. They're mad and they're activists and they're pissed In off. In your and, face, yeah, yes. trying yeah. to get you to do something. And then the cameras yeah. go away and they're back to, yeah, man, let me shake your hand because you're doing a good job. And you're like, what? <laughs> the, what? Is, there a, is this a movie being filmed here? What's happening? It was confusing for yeah, everybody. It was crazy. Well, you know, our mayor, our mayor on the one-year anniversary, so it was 21, March 21, uh, they had a little protest come in town. And he took the leaders of that protest, like 40 of them, up to the top of the Galt House, which is a pretty nice restaurant and you have to have reservations and he went up and paid for all their meals and drinks. Well, there you go. And I'm going, wow. Yeah. I mean, and I, I asked a couple of reporters, I'm like, can you do open records to see if that was on taxpayer money or his personal dime? Because that makes a pretty big difference. If you're yeah. paying protesters and he's part of it. Absolutely. Um, well, either way, I got a problem. <laughs> no, to be honest with you. Talk about bad optics. <laughs> yeah. 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 Taxpayer dollars shouldn't be doing it either, but he doesn't need to be doing it on his personal side. Yeah, that's just that just stinks from every direction. What's the you know the current status now? Where where are all the other officers and the other locations that you could have chosen that you obviously chose wrong that night? Um, did right. things go bad there? Was did did those actually develop into something? No, they got several guns. Dope. Um, they got what they wanted. Okay. You know, they, they arrested the guys, but Jamarcus Glover, um, Kenneth Walker, the guy that shot me, they dropped the charges. Of course. Um, mm -hmm. With prejudice. Yeah, so right. I can't, can't be brought again. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing on that was the attorney for Kenneth Walker, I mean, there's so many different tentacles that come from this case that sometime I remember it, sometime I don't when we're talking. Um, but his attorney on a podcast I listened to said, we included Tom Wine, who is our district attorney, mm -hmm. which is like, a, or the Commonwealth attorney. Um, so they're over the felonies. Mm -hmm. And he said, we included him on the, on the, the lawsuit, but we gave him an out. If he would dismiss Kenneth Walker's case permanently, we would take him off the lawsuit. He said, and the day before that that expiration came up, he dismissed it. So we took him out of the lawsuit. This came out of the attorney's mouth. On a, I've got it on recording. Can you believe that? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I can. How can people get away with this? I, I mean, uh, if we take a cup of coffee, we exactly. Get I'm sure there's fries. something unethical and illegal, and from mm -hmm. so many directions. And wow. But yet nothing yeah. ever happens to them and you never get justice for what you went through. No. Right. No. And, you know, from a logical standpoint, you know, we talk about people being irrational and emotional. I can see how taking this to court, Kenneth Walker could get cleared. I do. I can see how sure. 12 people would say, mm -hmm. you can't prove he heard you in that back bedroom right. beyond police. Right. I get it. Okay. So dismiss that. But then don't pay the dude $2 million, which they did. Right. Mm -hmm. For shooting me. Sure. I'm like, you know. It's just a slap in the face, all right. the different things that happen. Well, the message um, is sent, too, though. Go ahead, because you're talking about thugs who don't plan on living past 30 anyway. They know that what they do, their life expectancy ain't 100. Right. And so the word is, you either die, okay, I'll, I'll accept that, or I get a whole bunch of money. <laughs> or, or I yeah. die, and my family gets a whole bunch of money, right. and I get paraded all over this country as some legend or something. Yeah. I, I don't even know what to call it. And, and, and the department made investigating him and Breonna Taylor's mom off limits. Of course. Because when he got out of jail, uh, the informant 
came to one of the detectives of narcotics and said, hey, I got this on video. And he showed him a, a Kenneth Walker. She was talking to him on FaceTime. He had a gun again, which fine. If he's not a convicted felon, have a gun. I'm pro, I'm 2A. Sure. So he had a gun flashing around, but then he held up a box of dope and showed him. <laughs> and so That's they were just going to use this informant, go buy some dope from him and lock him up on dope charges. Sure. Oh, Al Capone angle. If you can't get him on the big one, <laughs> you know what you can. Right. And they were told you are not allowed to. And the sad part is the message has been sent to those people. You do whatever you want to because the optics will always be bad yeah. to come after you. And yeah. so you do whatever so you want to. So what's ever going to stop him? Nothing. Uh, nothing. I got into an argument. I remember this. I just got promoted. I got promoted in 09. So this was probably 2010. We were in in-service with command with uh, anybody, sergeant up. Mm-hmm. There was a couple majors in there. And somehow the topic came up and one major stood up and said, well, we know uh, – perception is reality. So we got to do this and that. And I went, Oh no, no, no. Reality is reality. And we got into this argument. And I said, I understand what you're saying. Right. We've got to be above board. You've got to make things look right. But at the end of the day, when you take action, if you're justified, mm-hmm. that's all that matters. Exactly. That's all that should matter. Sure. Not about perception because that's not reality. And me and Strahan got into that big thing too. Cause I said the same thing to him. Well, I feel in my reality, I said, Michael, it don't matter what your reality is. Exactly. The truth is the only thing that matters. Absolutely. My reality don't matter. Your reality, it doesn't matter. That's right. The truth or it's not. And and people get so far away from that because emotions get so tied up in all this that they can't see past it. That that drives me crazy. Well, and and again, it isn't it might not necessarily be about what this is, but this fits my agenda of all (laughs) these other things. And did you find him to be that kind of person? Strahan, that he he was so really trying to down, catch you. When we sat down, it was because uh, COVID was going on. It was a little elbow bump. We sat down. There was no, hey, good to meet you, Mike. I'm John. Sat down. Boom. It was like I was on the defense stand for three hours. Just fire, 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 fire. And I, I diffused him on probably 90% of the things where he just didn't have a comeback. Didn't sure. have anything to say. Sure. And made him look stupid a few times. Good. To, uh, naturally cut all that out. Uh, but at the end of it, <laughs> he shook my hand and said, you know what? I like you other than the fact you're a Cowboys fan. Cause I talked oh. about being a Cowboys fan. He's a Giants. <laughs> so here's a guy that our last statement is I like you. And then he leaves and then he gets on TV and bashes, which I understood because it doesn't make it right. That make him not a coward. Right. But I understand in that moment, if he got on there and said, I kind of find him actually be a pretty logical, good right. guy. Sure. Instead he gets on there and just bashes. And I'm like, Oh <laughs> You know, which I shows see he's what, a fraud. I see where you're coming from. But yeah. he's a that makes him yeah. a fraud. Yeah, well, he was afraid he would get canceled and lose his of, job. Of course, right? how can a black man take a white guy's side who killed a black woman? Well, heaven forbid. You know, that if he got on there and said, "Oh, you know, John Manley, he was seemed pretty credible," boom. But again, yeah. at what point? Because people have done that in history, and it's been okay. Right. But at some point, those are the people who need to be able to. They'll call him an Uncle Tom. Uh, okay, right. I, you know that. Worst thing, I've been called a lot worse than that. I'm still alive. But it's that the whole thing is just a charade. Yeah. The media is a charade. That's all it is. Uh, If it ain't sensational, they don't want to have nothing to do with it. Absolutely. They don't care what the truth is. So back to your question, you asked where everybody stands. I've been cleared on everything. Um, Miles Cosgrove, the guy who stepped basically on me and and put some fire down range, he's been cleared on everything. Brett, the guy who moved from from the interior or from the, the breezeway area to the outside and shot through the windows. Everybody demonizes mm-hmm. him, but this thing happened so quick. And from his standpoint, what he did, he was like the third one back. 
as the door came open, when I stepped in, he was kind of coming around to get in line. He saw the flash, heard me say I was hit, heard Miles's repeated shots as he's circling back around because he couldn't get in the doorway. So he was circling around to the front. As he's doing that in that echo chamber there, he's hearing just repeated boom, 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 boom. And he thought, in his mind, he thought the people inside were assassinating us at the doorway. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he said, I've got to do whatever I can to get that guy to quit shooting, shooting. inside. Yep. And so that was his mindset on that. So is it the black and white of the law? No, but does it not meet the color of the law? You know, the, the state, a state jury in Louisville already found him not guilty. For him to get acquitted in Louisville, which yeah, is a right. no kidding. liberal, couldn't yes. stand a city because yes. they finally got the facts at the, at the, mm-hmm. at the, under oath, they got the facts and they went, mm, mm. what was they the ratio the on that? Was that a jury trial or bench trial? Yeah, it was jury. What was the ratio of black was, to white? I think there were four blacks on it. Enough to have, to my knowledge, I think four to, to twelve. Held it um, up, so yeah. it represented the city. Yeah. Um, uh, but then after that, there was one of the FBI agents in the courtroom who was heard saying, "Oh, this ain't over." And they got it walked out. They were mad. He got acquitted. And then they turn around charging federally <laughs> for the same Jeez. thing, basically. Except Seriously? they added. They added a civil rights violation to it, which means if he gets found guilty, it's life in prison. What a dirt bag. For hitting no one. His bullets struck no one. Oh, and geez. they're trying to get him life in prison for this. Is that so still ongoing? Is that ongoing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. His trial's set for uh, October now. They bumped it back. Man, that poor guy. Wow. So whose rounds actually hit Brianna, and have they been tried? It was me and Miles. No, we both got... Okay. Exonerated on everything. You were the only two. Self-defense. Okay. okay. Wow. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, that FBI agent. Let's dox him. Give me, give me information. <laughs> dox that boy. He needs to be that shot. Is that is crazy. And I think it was a female. Well, get, hey, that makes it even more. <laughs> those, those, they, they make the rest of us look really bad, and I don't, I don't appreciate that crap. Um, but, but then on the flip side, they, they ended up indicting. Um, the PBI people, the place-based investigation group, two of those, the lead detective and the the co-lead okay. for the false statement in the warrant. Okay. Um, because the co-lead, the female, was involved in something called Slushy Gate also that happened prior to this that we didn't find out about it until after 2020. Her and two other officers were riding around going to, to Thornton's filling up big cups of slushies, going around throwing it on homeless people. Oh, my god! And videoing it. What a fun time that would be. What? Yeah. Yeah. The lowest, the, these poor people who are at the lowest part of their yeah. life. What the hell? And you're throwing stuff on them. And, and, and then, so they had her on that because she's on video. They had her on that and they brought her in with this and basically gave her, let her prop, proffer, gave her a chance to, to get a good deal. And she did. And in her statement, she said that once it came out, the news got a hold of, of the warrant and realized they called the postal inspector and the postal inspector said, I never said that. I never verified that packages were going there in, in Jamarcus Glover's name, which fine. Okay. He didn't. Um, even though he had a bone to pick and he went, Oh, here's my opportunity. argument. And he ended up getting in trouble because he wasn't supposed to give a statement because federal <laughs> employees can't give a statement without going through the proper force <laughs> uh, ranks. But so when that happened, she, she came out and said, when that came out, that night, I called Josh. We talked back and forth on the phone. I went and met him at his garage, and we decided we were going to say Mattingly told us that. That's why it was in the warrant. 
Oh, geez. and I'm like, so I told the grand jury this. I said, I already took one bullet for these people. Yep. I'm not taking another one. Yeah, good I for did you. Not say that. This is exactly what I said. Good for you. And and so, um, so again, if they've got to pay for whatever they did, if it's true, again, let the cake bake. I'm not. I'll hold my judgment until it happens. But right. it doesn't look good. And I think the sergeant on that crew. I think he's a good guy. I think he's getting railroaded. Um, I'm not even sure what his charges are. There's some weird, obscure charges that I'm like, see, they called him in like four times and talked to him. And I think one of his statements was different than one of the other three times they got him for lying. I'm like, that's why you don't talk to the FBI. That's it. Um, <laughs> I don't remember. I yeah. That's my standard reply. I don't remember. But what, yeah. what can those two get for that falsifying information on the warrant? What, what can they serve? Well, Will they I, wind up serving time? I can't remember if they had civil rights violations then because okay. of their actions, all these things right. happened. Right. Sure. Um, sure. But I heard like 20 years. Wow. Is what they could get. Well, oh, but you know, if you're snowball, if you, if you're the one that's, well, the mayor snowballed all this, but if you <laughs> added to that sure. by lying, we shouldn't have been there, been there in the first place, right. sure. which they would have had enough PC, I think to get there, but just play devil's advocate and say they wouldn't have had enough PC and we wouldn't have been there that night. Sure. You know, you're responsible. Absolutely. Well, and again, why why was she even still working after doing what she was doing to homeless people? Why wasn't she in the property room? At least short yeah. term. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that none of this would have spiraled to this point with that on top of it. Um, what's yeah. kind of the temperature there in Louisville now with all of this? Would it not take much to reignite or they've all moved? You down? know, I, I think they've kind of moved on. Um, I mean, it could reignite. There's been a few things that have sparked little outrages. Um, but what we had seen in Louisville is over the years, when we thought big things were happening, mm-hmm. they just kind of didn't have the heart to come out and do stuff. So we always thought, eh, you'll have a few, but we're pretty safe here because they just don't have it in them. And then they did have it in them, you know, right. in this case. But a lot of that could have been spurred, too, from all the outside people coming say, in, That's you know, igniting them, pushing them along, yes. paying them, yes. doing all the things they did. Yes. Um, so overall, you know, the police aren't policing like they used to. No. So crime's up. You know, in 2020, we end up having uh, 182 homicides. Uh, and for a city under a million people, that you That's do the ratio, yeah. it's like twice what Chicago is. Yep. So it's up there. And there's nothing, it's not any better. How about attrition at the police department itself? Oh, horrible. Horrible. They're doing what they can. They finally gave them some raises. They had the two biggest raises since I left. What, um, um, what are you, what are you funded for? How many? Uh, around 1300. There's about a thousand. Okay. About 300 under. (laughs) That's that's crazy. It, It is. And it's just, uh, so how much traction is your book getting? Are you getting a lot of attention and how long has it been out? Um, it came out last March um, and it had some in the beginning, but again, we couldn't get the big names to promote it or mm-hmm. to, to get on board. Sure. Um, but it's doing good. I mean, there's okay. no complaints. Well, and, and we certainly will put it all over our social media and with this podcast and stuff too, because again, these are, this is the stuff and look, I got a big mouth wherever I get to go. I'm going to talk <laughs> about it. Um, because uh, Tom and I'll be at the Arizona Tact. I uh, know we're going to be at the Narcotics Officers Association here in Phoenix uh, this summer. In July. Uh huh. You going to be I'm there? I'm speaking there. I'll Are you? Yeah. All awesome. right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I will, I'll, I'll still be running my mouth about you um, <laughs> and about this case. And uh, yeah, it'll be my third time, I guess, with them. Tom's first. And so yeah, we'll we'll be pushing it wherever we talk to uh, about 
the facts of things. Yeah, and, and it's a great book. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I've read it now well, twice, but man, I just the truth that's that's comes out from it is just right in front of your face. Yeah, it's so unbelievable how it was hidden. Yeah, I wrote it like a cop would talk. Yeah, just good. You know, in plain language, <laughs> yeah. so people understand and and just chronological ordered it, so yeah. it's easy. You good. know, it wasn't. Like writing a report, you know, yeah. tell the story. Sure. Like here's yeah. the story. Here's the facts. Yeah. Here's the proof. And you get right into it, you know, quick. There's not a lot of fluff at the beginning. You you yeah. just start with what happened. Well, again, none of this good. is interpretive. It It is the facts are the right. facts. Here it is. And yeah. anybody who cares enough to really want the truth mm -hmm. can verify. Right. People just don't want to do that. They that's want it. the point. They're yeah. lazy. They don't, they don't. That's exactly. it. They want their agenda, and if it fits their agenda, that's what they're going to preach. And, yeah, as soon as we get off of here, I'm going to text Phil Hawk over at Haida <laughs> and go, good yeah. job booking John Madden. <laughs> nice, Phil. Yeah. yeah, Phil books us for uh, a lot of our trainings, and it, it's it's pretty uh, – Guys are asking for a lot of the stuff we teach at Haida here. Yeah. And so we've been dealing with Phil for years, and he's a great guy. And uh, yeah. I'm happy to hear that you're going to be there in July. And actually, maybe we can take you to dinner one night. You let yeah. us know when you're coming in. And if you need somebody to pick you up at the airport, we can do that. Yeah. And I'll have my chemo right. brain fixed by then, so I'll remember <laughs> who you are. Uh, <laughs> things will be good by then. I'll be back to almost normal, which people will be going, oh, crap. We thought we got good, I'm going to have to listen to your next podcast to figure out how I can get normal. <laughs> Hang with me. I need me. regulated, too, I think. <laughs> Hang with me. We'll fix you. I, I've fixed a lot All of people. Right. <laughs> well, again, that book is called 12 Seconds in the Dark. Now i got to get it and read it so I can get pissed off again while I'm sitting, getting chemo dumped in my body. I got four and a half hours to read every three weeks. So now I'm going to. I'm not sure if that's a good time to read it, though. That's as good as any. You'll get that chemo flowing through that's it, man. Right. Really good. Yeah, that's as good a time as any. <laughs> John, is there anything else that you feel like people need to know about this event? Because this event really took how long? How long was that whole from the time y'all started beating on that door till it was over? What are we talking? Minute and a half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like from the time the door came open until I was laying on my back and it was totally quiet was about twelve seconds. That's why we named it twelve seconds in the dark. Wow, that's wow. how quick these things happen. Uh, people don't realize, mm -hmm. you know, your whole world can change in just the blink of an eye. Absolutely, and it could be any cop out of here on any run. Yeah. Absolutely, you know, they think, oh, I'm not narcotics. It doesn't matter. Uh -uh. It could be a traffic stop. Right. It could be a domestic. It could be a welfare check. It could be anything. Absolutely, and. And if you're if your ducks aren't in a row and, you know, if you don't have that backing, man, it could be tough. Sure. Yeah. But is there you know, we never want a guest, especially in situations like this, to get off and feel like you didn't get that. There was something else that, that everybody listening here needs to hear. You know, I would I would love to have had your wife on this. I'd love to get her perspective yeah. on this. You know, we're talking about putting something together because that's the thing that doesn't get addressed, like especially mm -hmm. at these conferences. Yep. Um Come and say, hey, on on Tuesday night, bring your wife yes. or your spouse. If you're female, bring your husband, bring your spouse or your, your significant other. And we'll kind of talk back and forth about, you know, what you felt during this moment as yep. opposed to what I felt. And, you know, the different angles because they need to hear it because exactly. the spouses suffer a lot more than the guys or, or, or the ladies do. <laughs> yeah. That unknown game, like we talked about earlier, is the worst. And every time 
you put your gun belt on and go, there's an unknown for eight or 10 or 12 hours, whatever yeah. your shift is that they're waiting for you to get home Sure. with just a little bit in the back of their mind. And, and you being the expert in the field, that's got to be some kind of traumatic thing that kind of stacks up over the years, yep. just like all of the events we see. Well, the other side to that, too, that I don't even think y'all realize is, you know, we are so stymied. We It isn't like doctors that save people's lives when you can go out there and brag about your spouse. You know, I couldn't shout from the rooftop when Marshall had, you know, he worked some major cases, spent off of Noriega, that American um, that Tom Cruise was in, that movie oh. um, uh, about the Barry Teague case. And he was actually killed outside the halfway house because the judge said he had to report at the same time every night. That was a little obvious. Um, but that case, he he had a major part of that case. But, you know, it wasn't like it was something we could just shout about. Yeah. And then and then when the bad comes, we then also have to pull it all inside, too. There's never a good thing. We can't defend you. We can't brag about you. Right. We can't do any of it. And it puts us in, especially those of us who really don't filter and don't care, um, it, it makes it really hard when people are talking smack and stuff. And that's um, another side of it, too. But, you know, did you talk to Phil Hawk about is your wife coming with you in July? Uh, I'm not sure if she is or not. Because that out yet. he hasn't told us how much time we have, but I would love to have your wife come in there. I, yeah. I think we could give her easily uh, probably an hour if if we know that she wants to come and... Uh, you know, is willing to tell kind of her side in a snippet. And I'll talk to Phil about, let it be one of the nights. Uh, I'm sure he's got a room. Look, I love Phil. I love all you <laughs> men. But the reality is y'all don't think about this stuff. And But I think that would be a great opportunity for y'all to kind of launch this concept of doing it at night, right. doing it one night. And I think right. it could get a I pretty agree. big draw. Well, I'll let you plant the seed then. I will. Oh, it won't be a seed. Right. It's going to be like a, a damn grenade launcher. It's going to be like a grenade launcher coming through his door. But um, no, I will talk to him. But yeah, talk to your wife because I'd love to to have her in our class. And because there are things I think she would hear that we right. say that could be helpful to her, plus her opportunity you. to get up and talk. Yeah. And uh, so let's uh, let's kind of start feeding that and I'll get with Phil this afternoon. I'll put a call into him and go, here's something you really need to do, Phil. Thank you. I know you're going to cooperate. He tends to see things my way sometimes. So <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't want me to have that persuasion. <laughs> but is there anything else you really feel like people do need to know before we wrap this up? Yeah. Just the mental health thing. You know, I, I talk about this a lot. Don't be, we're so type A or the macho or whatever. But man, don't be scared to talk to somebody. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because while you think you might have it under control, a lot of times people can see stuff you can't see through yep. your actions and and whatever, and 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 listen to outside advice and get help. Sure. Because there's there's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, you want to wrap this up for us since you started us off. I'll let let's let's see if you remember the numbers. Oh, wait, <laughs> this is a test to see if he remembers all of our numbers. It's like I've I've had a traumatic brain injury. Let's yeah, just yeah, say whatever. that right up front. <laughs> let's start out first. You're a man. <laughs> then we can talk about your traumatic brain injury, whatever that you don't even remember, but whatever, mad cow and all those other things. That's but. right. <laughs> but thanks, John. I re I really appreciate you coming on, yeah. being our guest today, and talking yeah. about your book and and everything that you went through it i mean yeah. it's that's a, just a whole nother tragic i do have one last happened. question did you medically retire no you just left no 
just left. After how many years? Yeah. 20. 21. Uh, 21, yeah. But what is retirement? What, I mean. It's, well, I, I was under tier A, so I was still in the 20 and out. Okay. You know, a few years later, I'd been in the 25 and out. Right. Been over right. Two. Sure. Uh, but again, there was no, there's no guidance in these things when you go through it. There's nobody you can go to and go, hey, what should I do here? What's right. the right, what's, what's the right thing to do financially? Sure. For retirement, for my family. You know, that that's lacking in this field also. So mm-hmm. you were able to retire though? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I'm like the other guys, they fired them. Yeah, Yeah, because I know there are people that are going to be asking that question. And that is something we do at Under the Shield. We do advise people and try to help them, especially if there's a possibility of medical retirement, that kind of thing. Um, And we have people they can talk to and all that good stuff. So that is something that we try to help with. But you're right. There's there's not a lot out there. And people tend to y'all tend to just kind of do the knee jerk thing sometimes. Yeah, true. Cool. All right. We'll wrap us up and get us out of here. All right. Well. Um, thanks for listening today. Uh, I'm sure you guys is, that are listening have your eyes been opened a little bit. Yes. So if you want to learn more and really get into it, get John's book, 12 Seconds in the Dark. Um, and for everybody listening out there, again, we we definitely we hear you and we want to hear from you. If you're struggling in any way, please, please, please give us a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you call our hotline number at 855-889-2348. Um, you will get somebody. Yes. Um, if you hit extension one, you may have to let it ring a little bit because it's going to keep ringing to the next available uh, stress coach. Uh, if you want to speak with Susan directly uh, at that number, you hit extension two. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Cohen, extension three, and myself, extension four. But you will get somebody. That may be the hardest thing for you to do is to pick up the phone and reach out to contact somebody. Uh, the rest is is good. We can work with you. We can get you through what's going on. And if your families out there need some support, we're here for you. We have people that are kids of cops, spouses of cops, you name it. We've got somebody that you can talk to. Uh, So again, Susan, any last things? Uh, Yeah. When you hit that extension one, we don't even have your phone number. When, you know, people talk about confidentiality, that's a legal term. We do anonymity. You know, if you don't like your chief, call and tell me you're your chief. I don't <laughs> care. You know, whatever. Uh, but the reality is, is that if, if you should get disconnected from us, you got to call us back. Right. And the only thing we may ask is if you want to talk to someone specific to your uh, work group, whether that's fire, police, EMT, paramedics, whatever, because we do have people uh, all over the country, stress coaches who are certified in this. If you want to reach me directly, that extension two on that 855 number, could be a little while before I get back to you if I don't answer because I'm usually in session. Uh, but you can text me on my cell number at 334-324-3570. At night, you can call me on that. Um, I, that's what I'm here to do. And again, I'm just sitting around letting pump chemo in my body. I ain't got anything better to do. Occupy my time. You know, keep me out of trouble. Keep me from coming up with ways of blowing things up and, and all that other stuff. And Tom, your cell, if they want to reach you. Uh, you can reach me at 480-861-6574. And families, you can call us too. You know, sometimes it's harder to get that first responder to do what they need to do. Call us. We have some some tips and stuff on how to make that happen, too. I've done everything but tell spouses, tell your husband, yeah, you ain't got the anatomy to call me. That's what his problem is. And he'll blow my damn phone up. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we have ways of making things happen. 
but families, we appreciate the sacrifices you make. All of our first responders, the sacrifices are just ongoing and endless, even more so, I think, probably today than ever mm -hmm. before. And we appreciate that as one of the reasons Under the Shields here and this podcast also. And God bless you. God bless your families. God bless this great nation that we live in. God bless you, John, and what you've been through. And we will continue the battle with you to get the information out there because it's never too late. I, I wish this stuff could have come out sooner, obviously, yeah. but it, it, it's got to come out. And that means we can't give up. Right. We got to keep pushing. And right. so y'all buy that book, 12 Seconds in the Dark, Sergeant John Mattingly. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you here in Phoenix in July. Bless your heart. Yeah, if you ain't been to the desert <laughs> in June, July, August, September, baby, you are in for a treat. Warm. Yeah. You're in for a treat. And uh, My but, mascara will run. <laughs> <laughs> but we do want to try to take you to dinner, lunch, breakfast, something, and we'll plan that. And again, hopefully yeah. your wife will be out here. So if you're in the Phoenix or the state of Arizona and narcotics, you don't want to miss John's right. presentation. And you don't want to miss our class either. Exactly. And most of them already know me. I have to tell you a quick funny story about Phoenix narcotics, some of the Phoenix guys. This was several years back when I taught for them. And I told them, you can call me 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know, a few weeks later, I get a phone call at 2 in the morning. <laughs> Susan Simmons, and I hear, damn, she does answer the phone at 2 in the morning. They're drunk in a bar. Just checking. <laughs> Did not work well for them. Let me. They won't do that yeah. again. We'll say that. So you're in for a treat when you get to meet this crew out here. Good. <laughs> so stay safe. Take care. We'll help you in this fight. We're in it with you. If there's something we can do, let us know. And we'll look forward to meeting you in person in July. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, take care.